0: Our definition of the good life is like seeing the beauty in the ordinary. It's an intentional life. It's actually a life with less, less distractions, less clutter, less stuff. And I think that there is beauty, like Stevie is saying, in loving where you are right now in your life, regardless if you've hit that next thing.
1: I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. You're in for a real treat today because I'm sitting down with my friends, Stevie and Cezanne. Now, on the outside looking in, you see these beautiful mega influencers and you think, boy, must be easy to live a good life when all you do is have to share your life and and make a great living and, and have this beautiful family and the whole nine yards, but the truth is, Building a good life takes intention. Building a good life takes tough decisions. Building a good life takes bold moves. And we're gonna talk about times in their lives that they've had to do all of those things to set themselves up for this good life. What I love about them is it is their number one goal by being the living example and being willing to be vulnerable to help others experience a deeper sense of joy and fulfillment and to help you, the listener, and everyone who tunes into them, figure out what your version of living a good life is and what it requires of you. So we're going to dive into what does it take? What do routines look like? What kind of beliefs do you have to have? What role does money play or not play in living a good life? We're going to talk about everything. And when we get to that part where we're talking about what does money play in terms of a role of living a good life? I think you're going to realize that one of the roles of money is that it can eliminate stresses from your life that don't have to be there. That makes parenting easier. That makes relationships easier. That makes being present easier. All of those things happen easier when you don't have financial stress. And now here we are facing a stressful economy that is, changing. It's a transitional economy. And in times of challenging transitional economies, the number one thing that you can do is to invent new income. And you're going to see how they've invented income to make sure that they don't have financial stress. And I want you to do the same thing. Lori and I have put every single trick process system into one place, for you to be able to create a side hustle or a main income out of your area of expertise. And we put it all into a course called Be Online so you can take your talents online and monetize them. And listen, if you want to be the first to get this in your hands, and if you want to get it at an investment that is lower than even early bird will be, then we're going to consider putting you on our early access VIP list. If you want to get on that list, all you have to do is text me the word bulletproof because we're going to make you bulletproof no matter what kind of economy we're going through. Real simple things can make you bulletproof, I promise, when somebody's willing to spell out the roadmap. And that's what we do. So text me the word bulletproof to 310-421-0416. And we'll make sure that you get it earlier. And we'll make sure that you get it cheaper than anyone else, even the early birds. Again, text me the word bulletproof to 310 421 0416. Text Bulletproof to 310 421 0416. Now get ready, listen up, because we are going to see what it takes and learn about the blueprint of learning a truly good life. All right, Cezanne, Stevie, welcome to the show. How are you guys?
0: Hey Chris. We're
2: doing pretty darn good here Chris. Uh, I don't know about you. Are you in Cali, Arizona right now? (laughs) Where are you at? I am in California in Newport Beach at the moment enjoying a little bit better weather than what you guys have I think. Oh god see that's that's the only thing man. I keep checking the temps. We got 98, 99, 97 and 98 coming up and uh, I'm not not excited about but hey it's a good life man. Life is good. There's a lot of other good things. So if the heat is the biggest problem of mine, then we're, I think we're cruising. It's a hot,
0: good yeah. life over here.
2: Oh, it's yeah, hot. Yeah, you are you are blessed if that's the
1: biggest challenge that you guys have in front of us right oh, now. I actually wanted to start with that exact concept. And this is what I love about following you guys is this concept of building a good life. Listen, this is why we go to work. This is why... We start businesses. This is why we choose to live in certain areas. This is why we have kids. This is why anyone does anything, is in pursuit of a so-called good life. And you guys have built this incredible brand around showing others how to build and live their version of a good life. And a lot of it is through you guys walking the walk yourselves and just being gracious enough to share that. And we're going to talk a lot about what that journey is like. So I wanted to start by asking each of you individually. You can't cheat. You can't look at each other. You just have to wing it. What okay. is your individual definition of a good life?
2: My dear, would you like to go first? Or yeah, would you,
0: you know what, like babe? you to
2: steal all the thunder and then leave you with nothing to say?
0: Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's <laughs> go with that. Go ahead, babe.
2: We're very competitive, Chris, because we, we work together. We're married, you know, Yeah. Yeah. We're yada. type
0: three enneagrams, you know. <laughs> oh my God,
2: me no. too. Me too.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: I already knew that. I just knew Course. that you guys were going to nerd out. And I'm a two, three. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm half in the he's,
0: club. He's on the cusp, yeah.
2: So the good life to me, and and I've shared this with you before, you know, when Suzanne and I moved out to to LA to pursue our dreams, we thought the good life was making it. We Mm -hmm. thought the good life was we have these goals, dreams, and ambitions. And if we don't get there, then that's not the good life, right? So things changed. We didn't make it on TV and the movies like we thought, but then we were presented this other opportunity, social media. Instagram at the time was taking off. And so we both Jumped in really hard. Suzanne jumped in first and then I started working with her. And Instagram brought us financial freedom that we never thought we'd ever see. It brought us a notoriety. It took us to big parties with huge celebrities, took us around the world to many different places. And all the while, there was this void. There was something that was unfulfilled. And it was always like, I'll have the good life when we make X amount of dollars. I'll have the good life when we hit a million followers. I'll have the good life when we have a nice house in LA. We did all of those things. And at the end of the day, we were left wanting more. We had so much, we were grateful for what we had, but we were left wanting more. So right before the pandemic hit, we moved back to Texas. And when we were here in Texas, we were here for an unexpected amount of time. We thought we were going to move back to California. We didn't move back to California. Suzanne looked at me one day and she said, babe, I really think we need to move here. If we're going to grow our family, you know, and have another baby, you know, I think, I think we should be around our family here in Texas. I just feel grounded. I feel rooted. And I, and I feel peace, a peace that I've never felt before. And I was kicking and screaming like a little girl because I didn't want to move back to where I grew up, you know, and I lived in California, live in my dream, but I knew in my heart of hearts, she was right. And so moving back to Texas, was really ushering in this new season and this new understanding of what The Good Life really is all about. And The Good Life to me, it's like the movie, The Wonderful Life. What I was just talking about was when Jim Carrey says, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could see it's not the answer. Just like in The Wonderful Life, the Christmas movie, right? He's got a beautiful family. He's got beautiful children. He's loved by his friends. He's, he's just a great guy, but he's really, really struggling. He's got things that are going wrong in his life and what he realizes at the end of the movie, he's given this glimpse of if his life never existed. What he realized at the end of the movie is like, not all of my problems are gone, but I was focused on the wrong things. I was seeing everything through this blurred lens. You know, It's almost like you're out of focus. And then when you focus on the right thing, you're like, I didn't realize this was right in front of me the whole time. And so for me, my personal journey was struggling with depression and an identity crisis when I didn't become the person I thought I was going to become. And so when we moved back to Texas, you know, I'd already gone through that. And I realized I was like, a good life is right here, right now, right in front of me. And it's not just for me. It's for every single person. I have resources. I have a beautiful family. I have people who love me. I have all of my basic needs. I have health. And that's what the good life is. The good life is not about doing just doing something, but it's about seeing what's right in front of you.
0: Well, dang, Steve, you just sucked out the definition from... Well, I know you
2: got a whole other perspective.
0: Here's what I love. Everything that you said is so spot on. You got into a little bit of the meat and potatoes of our story. When I think about The Good Life, and I think for so many people listening to, we've heard rappers talk about it, Kanye. Welcome to The Good Life. I mean, there's a worldly definition about the good life. And that is a life that you're comfortable. You're enjoying the luxurious things. Life is good. I've got money. I've got wealth. I've got fame. For us, our definition of the good life is like seeing the beauty in the ordinary. It's an intentional life. It's actually a life with less, less distractions, less clutter, less stuff, And I think that there is beauty, like Stevie is saying, in loving where you are right now in your life, regardless if you've hit that next thing, because we've been there. We've chased the next best thing. We've hit the accolades and, you know, we've hit those million markers on Instagram and all of that. And when we got to the top of that mountain, we felt like, wait, this isn't what we thought it was going to be like. So do we just keep climbing and going and going or do we just stop? look around and take in this view. And when you're at the top of that mountain and you're just like, whoa, we forgot to look up and look around and truly see the blessings that are right in front of us. And I think that it it really comes from an out of this world perspective. And so, you know, we live in this world, but how can we not live of the world, right? And so to have that just perspective that life is so good exactly as it is right now, And I can continue to strive in this life, but I can also stop and just acknowledge how far I've come and see the beauty that's all around. I mean, that is the good life. And that's what we want to help people cultivate one good day at a time.
1: I love your answers. I love your definitions because they're reminders for everyone listening right now that no matter what you're facing, and by the way, great reference, love the movie, The Wonderful Life. No matter what you're facing, like his savings and loan was collapsing at the time, right, the whole nine yards, you still have many good things in your life. And I'm a firm believer that what you focus on, you then have inventory of. And so if you focus on the good things, it's going to feel like you have a whole inventory of good things that give a good life. And if you focus on the gaps or what you don't yet have or what's going wrong, then unfortunately you're taking inventory of all the things that are going to make you feel like you do not have a good life. And and you guys have worked really hard to be able to focus on what gives you a good life. I want to take that and kind of springboard into offline, Cezanne, you and I were talking about how we're idea machines, you have a new idea every day, and you don't know which one's to pursue and which one's not. How do you balance the idea of being present and grateful for where you're at today, which is the key to a good life, with being a really ambitious person that also desires other accomplishments and, and building other things and like where's the sweet spot how do you reconcile those yeah. two things
2: this is such a good question and something that we we mm-hmm. often i think we actually you know it, i don't i don't want to say we struggle with but i think it is a daily thing to try and find that balance i would love to hear my wife you no know, <laughs> like to this be one. honest
0: with you i think if anybody follows has followed my journey and has grown and evolved as i've grown and i have evolved then everybody knows that I'm a work in progress. I'm not somebody who can sit here today and say, I have figured it out. I have figured out how to balance it all. The truth is, is I think that the more structure that I've been able to just, bring into my life and actually create some guardrails, some places and spaces in my day, the rhythms of my day where I can protect my peace. I think that has helped me be able to kind of separate Cezanne beast mode, work mode, opportunity mode to the Cezanne that also is a dreamer who's a mother who loves to cook and loves to just be a leader in the household as well. And so I think for me, some of those things that I've had to do to kind of create What I hope would be a very balanced life, but it is just kind of creating some structure. So, you know, starting every day by not jumping on my phone, even though that's technically my job, being able to say, when I wake up first thing in the morning, I want to either go spend time with my girls, give them that first hour of the day, or spend time in the word for me, getting to sit with God. When I've seen in seasons when When I'm giving God that first hour of my day, somehow, some way, he gives me more time in the day to get things done. And so for me, investing that time, the first half of the day, I find it's just, it sets the tone for a winning day. And then as I'm getting going and starting my day, I usually like to get my workout in. I have to do my own me time stuff before I check into the online social media world. I like to do all of that before 11am. And when you work for yourself, yes, you have the privilege of getting to start your day a little later. But for me, my focus hours where I'm very productive tend to be after 11am. So by noon, until about four o'clock, that's when I'm like really inspired to shoot my content, to get on my platforms. That's when a lot of my community is having their lunchtime. So it's a great time to connect, see what everybody's up to. And so I've had to do a lot of trial and error over the years to figure out even though social media is a 24-7 check-in world I have really tried hard to structure that world and create somewhat of this nine to five corporate life, but in the comfort of my own home. Because if we don't set those parameters, I think we can easily get caught up, confused, distracted, overwhelmed. And now I can't show up as a mom and a wife and a friend and just enjoy my life in the moment, right? So those things have really helped me find my
2: balance. Well, and, and just to pick up on that, you know, Susanna and I are so blessed because we are a team. We've become a team and we've really found our way, you know, into this entrepreneurial world via Instagram, right? And, you know, there's been so many just trial by fire. You know, we just had to learn along the way and, and kind of retool and, but there's a few things, you know, Cezanne touched on. It's, it's number one, it's like, how are you managing your time? Like if you're responsible for your time, how are you managing your time? I guarantee you, you can probably manage your time better than you're managing now. I mean, that's one thing you can do. And then number two, we just ask the question always like, have we filled this cup? You know what I mean? Have we filled this cup? We have these, we call it tanks or cups. It's like, where's your love tank? You know, how's your love tank, your relationship with the kids, you know what I mean? And with business. And so what we're constantly trying to do is evaluate all of those things, the things that are most important, you know, and our relationships are at the top, but then our aspirations are right there underneath them. You know what I mean? But relationship is always first. And so, you know, if Suzanne and I aren't good, we're like the trunk of the tree, right? If we're not good, then the branches, which are our children, they're not going to be that healthy and it's not going to yield a lot of fruit. And so, first and foremost, mom and dad, like we got to remain a team. No matter what goes on at the end of the day, whether it's in business or in personal life, we continue to choose each other and to say, we're going to work together. That's a non negotiable. That's our foundation. When it feels like the building is crumbling and everything is going wrong, yeah. and we're so mad and we're so confused and we couldn't have a more different opinion, we get to that base floor and we say, well, we're together on this. Our foundation is that we will continue to choose each other and work together. And so we're always able to stay there. And so, you know, that's kind of how we evaluate our day. And then, you know, the third thing is that we, we allow ourselves to be comfortable in chaos mm-hmm. because when you work for yourself, you got big dreams and ambitions. A lot of things can go wrong. You can go through different seasons. Like right now we've been renovating our home for six months. It's just absolutely like, our Noise. closet stuff, our master closet, our master bathroom and and laundry room have all been ripped up. All our crap is in our room. <laughs> and we're just like, dude, I'm so tired of this. And, <laughs> you know, delays with labor and lumber and all that kind of stuff. It's longer than it should have been. And then on top of that, we're transitioning from help. You know, we have to have a nanny with our girls during the day so that Zong and I can get anything done. And hiring a nanny is like the most precious position you can hire. You can't vet somebody <laughs> enough, you know? And so Gosh, we're very so selective with who we hire. And so we're like, we got crap all over the house. We don't have any help. We're somehow supposed to run two businesses. Meanwhile, managing some properties that we have. We're like, Chaos. what the heck <laughs> is going on? And you know what? Sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and give yourself grace and just say, you know what? It's not ideal. It's truly not. But we're not going to let the chaos take over. We're going to allow ourselves to be comfortable with the chaos. And we're going to ride this thing out. And we're going to work on a solution. And we'll eventually get there. And, and I think that's one of our greatest strengths. It's there's been like, times,
0: Steve, where there's it's such a bad day. Like It's almost like, you know, those days where it's like one thing after the next. It's like, yeah. what else is potentially going to go wrong? And it's just another thing and another thing and another thing. We've literally stopped in the midst of that and we've literally looked at each other and just busted out laughing because we're like... dude the yeah. devil is on the prowl today he is just and you, know what we a- do, you
2: know what we do then we just go dude f this we're, let's get sushi you know yeah. what i mean
0: like, like, like no, we're not we working today it. let's just take the kids and go to yeah. the park it's forget just this whatever. we're getting uh we're getting takeout. <laughs> we're
2: watching a movie dude and and we're we just, just gonna let win the steam today. off yeah exactly yeah. and so i think that's what we do is we kind of try and look at things in different buckets and, and realize and then at the end of the day it's like man we got to give ourselves some grace because we have Big ambition. We have a lot to do, but we work from home with kids and and we have a, a normal life like everybody else. You you know, I love it. There's some
1: actionable examples in there. I think the one I love the most is F this, let's go get sushi. I think if anyone <laughs> takes anything away, that is the key to a good life right there. F this, do the job, I'm quitting everything, I'm going
2: to get sushi. Literally, that has been our thing. Like we do have those things where it's like, it has been it's an one investment. Heck of a it's day,
0: comforting. Yeah. And like it is, oh, we're
2: either getting sushi, X, Y, or Z. And like. It's those little things. What Suzanne and I realized about our parents' generation, boomers, is that they're some hard-A cats. Yep. I mean, talk about somebody's ability to just walk on hot coals and just mm-hmm. go, I'm going to cool off these feet. You have yeah. to know you know, your limits and know like, you know what, if I keep doing this, I'm going to explode on something, my business partner, my wife, my kids, something. And it's like, I'm not going to go there. And so what can we do to release the steam here? You know what I mean? Balance ourselves, cool off and get to a good position where we can rethink, you know what I mean? Come up for air, go get sushi, go to the park. It sounds silly, but it's like, man, and then just celebrating the small stuff. It's really important. It's interesting
1: because to lead a good life, you have to make some really bold decisions, right? You have to, you have to fight for a good life. And and I've watched the two of you fight for a good life. And most people don't realize, you know, one of the reasons you have a good life is that you have each other. And most people don't realize you had to fight to be together. Like it broke some cultural traditions or some cultural norms when you decided to get married. And there's so many people out there that are one bold decision away, maybe They're afraid of disappointing people they love in their life. And it's holding them back from a good life. Can you talk to us about this difficult time you went through when you decided to get married and and perhaps your family wasn't all for it?
0: Right. Well, Stevie and I, when we met in college, we talk about starting a relationship. You know, they say it's like, oh, the fun, exciting phase. It was like out of the gates when we met each other. I was just like, okay, you can't fall in love with me. I can't fall in love with you. This just is not actually going to work logistically. I would be disowned if I married somebody outside of my Kurdish culture. So just know that like you're cute and you're sweet and I'm cute and I'm sweet. But like, let's just, we are, we're not getting married. Okay. So it was like all this baggage out of the gates. Remember that? And we remember it was so hot and just all the flames in the beginning. And then as we started dating, obviously, I was going to fall in love with him. I mean, look at these pearly blue eyes and beautiful freckles. I thought it was
2: my pasty white skin. And and your pasty white skin.
0: (laughs) But I mean, obviously, God had different plans. We fell in love. And it was just like, whoa, obstacle after obstacle after that. It's like, how are we going to get through this? We know that we have to be together. How are we going to do it? It felt like, this huge beast. And I didn't know how I played it out in my head a million times. And I said, I can't tell my parents. We were in this secret relationship. And Stevie, I remember you being the most patient person during this process because you were actually witnessing just the reality that cultural barriers and things like that, it was, you were living in it with me. And I just remembered at that time, it was one of the hardest things we ever had to go through But when I look back now, I can truly say like, you know, when you do the hard things now, life does get sweeter. And in a sense, it gets easier. And that was the really hard part for us was at the beginning of our relationship. And now we look back and when we're going through a fight or a hard season, we always go back to that hard, difficult time. And we say, if we got through that, we can get through anything. And so in a way, there was beauty in that brokenness that we were going through at that time. And I always look back at that. And that's always my reminder, right? And my family, obviously, they came around, thank God. And But it was a really hard, hard season as like a 21-year-old girl trying to figure out what my life was going to look like. And imagining a life without my family in it, that seemed like impossible. I can't allow that to happen. But then imagining a life without Stevie in it also felt really unnatural. And so I was just stuck right there in the middle And it was just really hard. We had to ultimately rip the Mm Band-Aid and we had to let God take over the ship, you know? And he had to steer our path after that because I did not know what the other side was going to look like. So it's just crazy how sometimes, you know, when you're faced with adversity, you sometimes see it as like this thing that you try to avoid or you try to go around. But I look back now and I was like, I got to face this thing head on and I have to find a way to conquer it and to break through it. And I think that we can all say that hard and good can coexist. Yes. And, you know, joy and grief can also coexist. The good life isn't a life that's just like, hey, my life is great. It's peaches, it's butterflies. It also is challenging. You face really hard things for many of us on the daily. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to see adversity in a new way and as an opportunity, where this thing that we're about to go through is going to be hard, but wait, there is a blessing waiting for us on the other side if we choose to conquer through it in faith.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think too, like uh, another part of the story that Suzanne and I recently we learned about was, I was talking to my uncle, and he's our family historian, and he was telling me about the love story of my great grandparents. And so my great grandfather was this kid from Wichita who basically was, was on his own at 15 years old and he he wanted to become a professional boxer and he did he became a professional fighter and my great grandmother was an armenian refugee who had moved probably about 4 or 5 times you know what i mean by by the time she was you know 18 years old fleeing from the uh, turkish genocide then moving into russia and fighting in the white my great great grandfather fought in the white russian army fleeing and then they're leaving there cuz you know the communist revolution is happening and so talk about somebody who had been through so much, you know, and then you've got my great-grandfather too. They both end up meeting in Shanghai, didn't speak the same language. They were actually at, there was almost kind of like a little parade happening that day and he saw her and she saw him. They didn't speak the same language. But then after the parade was over, they they met up, you know, and she started immediately teaching him Russian. And so what's incredible about their story is that, Look at the time in which they lived, right? All the things that they went through, you know, even just the things that I just hit on. Then you have them getting married, her moving to the United States, and him being shipped off to World War II. You know, these people lived through World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, and all along this time, they're being separated and, you know, their life is war-torn. She takes three of her kids on a Japanese transport two years before the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor back over to Shanghai to see her family with toddlers. I mean, we're talking about people who are made of steel. Like they lived a really, really hard life. Their life was hard, but all the while they stuck together. They were always together. And so my favorite part of the story is when my uncle said, you know what, we hiked with your great-grandfather after your great-grandmother passed. We're in Nevada. We take this hike and we get to the top of the mountain and he's old and he's wheezing from all the smoke, the smoking he'd done over his years. And he said, I really miss Anna who is my great-grandmother. And that's the best part of the story because when I recently heard this full story, I realized the good life is not, like Suzanne said, it's not the peachy life. But the good life is the good fight. It's about finding those things that are worth fighting for and about never letting go. Like I said, at the end of the day, we continue to choose each other. And that is a life that really can produce some wonderful fruit. And you don't have to quantify it in how much money you make, how much notoriety you have. But just look around you, look at the fruit around you. And so when we look at it as a tree, right, it really starts with that nucleus. It's you and your spouse, right? And what can you do together? You can do some really, really wonderful things. And so I'm lucky that I had a wife, you know, who was brave enough to stand up against cultural barriers, which are very, very intense and say, you know what, I'm going to bet on my husband or my future husband, which is me. And I was betting on her. And we did it together. And we went through two years of hell where I watched her cry all the time, you know, just missing her family. She's doing everything right. And now today I finally met her dad when our first daughter was eight months old and seeing my kids with her dad and us being one family, it's better now than than it ever was before. And we you know, like, like that hardship that we went through yielded truly a diamond. It was forged In this fire. And so you really find those jewels when you go through those hardships. The gift that you just gave everybody by reminding people that
1: hard and good, or difficult and good, or challenged and good coexists at the same time is one of the most freeing, empowering perspectives ever because people can then say, sure, my finances may not be very great, but my life is good. Or my career situation may be in the dumpster, but my life is good. Or my relationship is bad, but my life is good. Difficult and good, hard and good. They can coexist. They do coexist all the time. And you focusing on the good is a huge component of of living this good life. So I want to parlay that. Oh, by the way, you guys probably don't know this about Lori and I. But when we first got together, Lori came from a really, really strict religion. And in that religion your family's supposed to leave you if you marry outside the religion. And she kept me a secret as like her boyfriend forever. And I remember the the weird dynamic added to the relationship of me trying to understand, well, I don't want her family to like pick up and leave her. I understand that would hurt, but I also don't like just being the friend over here and that kind of thing as well. And it's, it's a tough thing to get through. So if people take anything from those two stories, it's, part of living a good life is making the difficult converse or making the difficult decisions. And then eventually breaking the difficult conversations, right? Because
2: you got to fight for it to turn out in your favor. I 100% and that was, yeah, very similar to our story. I think one thing I want to say is that there's so many people that think, but, but I don't think I can because I'm not enough of whatever the fill in the blank of their insecurity is, you know, and we live so much of our lives just staying in that position when I don't believe you need to become a different version of yourself to face those hardships. You know what I mean? To be able to walk through those. Mm -hmm. I think you just simply have to believe that you can. And I think one of my favorite things is that the Bible says that perfect love drives out fear. And that is weird. You're like, love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. And, and, you know, the more I've been thinking about that recently, there is no greater motivation in this entire universe than love.
1: Yeah. Every
2: great thing that has ever happened has happened because of love. And love is the life force of this entire universe. I don't care what you believe. That's true. Yeah. And so if you're motivated out of love, if you want to do something out of love, you will do it because you're motivated by love, which is the greatest motivation there is. And fear cannot stop love. And so if you love yourself enough, if you love your wife enough, if you love your life enough, your kids enough, you don't need to go and become something great. You just need to realize, no, I love them more than my fear. And so I choose to move through that and go right at that beast, go right at that thing that's attacking me, right at that challenge that's been eating my lunch. I don't need to pump myself up and become somebody different. I just need to know what I love and I love this. And so I'm not going to let whatever this challenge is get in the way of that. I'm going to walk right at it and I'm going to handle this in love because love shows up every day.
0: That's and that's David a, and Goliath right thing.
2: there. I exactly. love that. I absolutely love that. I want to, I want to then
1: parlay this into when, when people outside looking in, you know, and they look at your life, they say, boy, it must be nice. It must be easy to live a good life when, when you're mega influencers and people pay you just to share your life and they pay you just to live your day and they pay you just to film it. But as we know, everything is not what it always appears to be on the surface. And I saw a recent video of yours on YouTube where you guys are having a great day and you're joking around and your daughter in the back seat one of your two daughters in your backseat, you ask her to, to pull up her harness a little bit and you make the joke that mommy's going to get too much hate in the comments. You know, pull up the harness or mommy will get too much hate in the comments. <laughs> Share with us the reality of making a career out of sharing your life and some of the things that you have to put up with for having a career like this.
0: You know what? It's so funny that you say that because it's gone to a point now where I'm able to join them you can sometimes join that hater conversation and it's ju- it's funny now but when i started this journey 10 years ago i was very insecure i was 21 22 years old when i started putting myself out there on this internet world and i would read into a lot of the comments because yeah. i wanted to see the responses i was getting right am i doing is this fashion beauty thing like is it, are people loving it you know so you do have to pay attention to what people are saying. And at the time, this was before Instagram and YouTube were filtering out potentially inappropriate or offensive words and language, which I commend nowadays. that These platforms have put those things in place where a lot of comments actually do not go through anymore because of these amazing parameters that are in the platforms. But every now and then, people will find a creative way to sneak some language in there that makes you feel like crap. And the truth is, is I'm a human. And if you're a human or you have a heart, you are going to sometimes feel affected by what other people say. Even if you're the most confident person in the world, Would you care about what it is that you do, and for Stevie and I, we believe that our calling in this online world is to serve others and to serve people through the content that we create through the message that we share. So we are heavily invested in their lives just as much as they're invested in our lives. So sometimes when I see a avatar or a username responding, I don't know all the details about how long that person has been following me or what. And sometimes it's not actually Horrible criticism. It's criticism that I should take in and actually see it as, okay, they didn't actually mean anything wrong here. But then you do have times where people are just there to hurt you. You know, when I first married Stevie and it became public information at the time, I did get a lot of backlash. It was the immediate, Oh, this marriage is only going to last a year. You know, shame on you for doing this to the Kurdish name. And, you know, your people already don't have a home. Now, what are you doing? You're just going against that even possibility, but you just don't want to be who you are. Basically, I got a lot of negative hate even when I was pregnant. You're starting, you know, you're looking, your face is looking really chubby or there's times I wasn't pregnant. People are like, your face is looking really chubby. Are you pregnant? And I've heard it all, Chris. And I'm just at a place today where I know I've had to walk through my own personal insecurities and God knows more than anybody just what I've had to go through on a personal journey to try to get through some of my own demons and stuff. So when I show up online nowadays and I see those negative comments, I can only take it from the perspective of whatever this person is going through, they're projecting their own personal insecurity out upon the comment section for whatever reason. So I have to sometimes assume like, this person probably needs me to pray for them right now. And you know how hard that is sometimes when yeah. people say really mean things behind the screen and you just want to respond back. Yeah. It's like, instead, how can I just stop right now and pray for Marissa username 129 or whatever? <laughs> you know what I mean? And Marissa. Just that God would do the rest, you know? And that's been my, how I've chosen to handle those responses. And from probably over the past few years, more now than ever is like, One of the hardest prayers that you can pray is, you know, asking God to break your heart for what breaks his. Mm. And when you pray that prayer, it requires a lot of courage, a lot of boldness. But you begin to see things a little differently. You begin to feel the pain that others are feeling too. And so if you can choose to see it in the way of like, okay, how can I pray for this person? Or how can I actually respond in a way that doesn't make them feel like crap for making me feel like crap? I think we would start to see the world start to feel like it's a little bit of a better place online if we all choose to respond like that. So that's my goal and how I hope Sometimes wish I can be, but it's not always like that because I'm human, right? So there's times where I just cried my husband's arms, and I'm like, "Do you really think my face is getting chubby?" She hasn't done that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, she hasn't she hasn't done that in a while. But I think, like Suzanne said, I mean, you you have to have that fortitude to be able to push through and be successful online. I mean, and there's so many people that they wish they could because it's hard sometimes to have people say negative things about you, still look in the mirror and go, I know who I am. I know what I'm doing and what I'm doing is okay. You know, or what I'm doing is good. And I think it takes that fortitude to kind of pave a path online. And I mean, you're out there for everybody, man. Like everybody gets to comment on every single thing that you do. And so, yes, we are cautious. Oh my
0: gosh. Do you remember somebody DM'd me? Side note. Somebody DM'd me and said, Hey, Saz, I was out in Austin at a bar. And I saw Stevie there with some of his guy friends. And I just want to let you know, you have an amazing husband. Cause I was watching him the whole night to see if he was going to look at other women. And he didn't, he really didn't Saz. And I was like, wow. dang. I mean, I got, wow. so I gotta, well,
2: Stevie I gotta, way to go, man. I mean, like hey, that is I the mean, ultimate. I mean that is the truth, but at the same time, what if they twisted the story and they were like he was looking at a girl, and then I'm like I wasn't. I saw. She had toilet paper on her shoe. There's a different. She had fine print on her shirt. I was
1: trying to read it. Like yeah, (laughs) listen. Character is what character is what you do when no one's looking, man. You pass that test, and and this is just another reason why I love you guys. (laughs) Well, apparently but, somebody was looking, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah I, I, but you didn't know they were looking. So it still counts right, as right. character. I love that. I I, so yeah. I want to take this concept and, and I want to put a quick bow on it by saying, you just shared the message that what stops us in life from living a good life is being worried about what other people might think. And when you can switch from being worried about what they, what they might think, which is very human to do to seeing them with compassion and saying I've got no idea what's going on behind the scenes with that other individual that causes them to say this or lash out or do this or do that, that is a very key ingredient of being able to move forward in, in something that you might have held back from and living a good life. I, I absolutely love that lesson that you just you know demonstrated for everybody. Yeah, I'm curious and, what, and what role does what role does having financial success play in, in having a good life? And, and this is not a loaded question. I really think about where's that sweet spot where you're you're not pursuing so much that you've lost your way, but you also have enough where you you don't want for anything either.
2: Ooh, this is a great question and a huge part of our story. I think Cezanne and I both came from a a scarcity, you know, we grew up from a place where there wasn't a lot. You know, Cezanne had a their family of four or five in an apartment. And my family, same thing. I mean we had a small house, we never had anything extra. There was times we were on food stamps. You know what I mean? Like that was our reality you know, for us growing up, things were never easy. And so we saw the impact that had on our family. I mean, the impact is real. I truly hate to see families struggling. I hate to see good men and women doing their best and they're not making it. I mean, that to me is is an actual tragedy Mm -hmm. because you've got somebody who's showing up and doing their best, but things are not working out. And that's how it was for our families. I mean, Cezanne's Parents were immigrants. You know what I mean? There was not a lot of opportunities for them. And then in my family, I just watched my dad, who was a carpenter, very honest, tons of integrity, quality work, and just it just things were not working out. It was a rough time. And so we feel so fortunate and so blessed to be in an industry where we're paid well for what we do and we're able to live in a nice house. And it takes off a ton of Burden from our marriage and from our family stresses, and so to say that it doesn't play a big role is is a complete lie. It plays a huge role, because I remember when I moved to L.A. and I was I couldn't even afford a Chipotle burrito, Chris. I lived in an apartment sharing a room with my friend, and we both slept on air mattresses because we didn't have jack. And I remember I would call my dad and be like, I'm just struggling, like I just can't get ahead, and I'm trying to act in the day and work all night, and I don't know. And my dad said, Well. I'm not going to send you any money. And I was like, well, you know, what do I do? He said, your number one responsibility as a man is to be financially independent. Wow. He said, and you need to establish that first. Wow. And, and obviously for your family. And obviously it's up to mom and dad, you know, but the point is, it's like, that's a big responsibility to hold for your family and something that really sets you up for, the ability to even breathe and sometimes look up and look around and embrace those wonderful things that are around you, like we were talking about and really see your good life, you know, the way it is. But what's amazing too, is that a lot of people have a story where they went through hard time, like our parents too. They went through years of struggle and then there was this beautiful breakthrough. And it's not that they're wealthy people, but we've seen them when they had financial stress and when they had financial freedom, there's just so much less pressure on them, on their marriage. And so my biggest advice would be to pursue financial freedom, do your best to get out of debt. And and Chris, I mean, you, you know so much yeah. about this, but what are the ways, you know, look for those opportunities to set yourself up and your family up? Because a relationship and a family that's under that kind of pressure, it's a lot, it's a lot to bear. And so I really believe it's a huge piece of that. And to pursue that is doing yourself, your family, your, you know, your marriage, a huge service.
0: And I, I too, Chris, have learned that nothing from my own family. I mean, they were refugees. They had to flee the Saddam Hussein regime. I mean, my parents literally had to walk on foot to flee our homeland and came to America for a better opportunity. So I saw firsthand what it looked like to actually struggle, but also understanding the value of a dollar. My parents were like, now that we're here in America, we actually have to work harder than everybody else who's already here to stay here. And so seeing that as a young child growing up, that nothing was going to be handed to you, that you had to work hard for everything. So that always just kind of became part of who I was. And so as I started to chase my own dreams and goals, and obviously the dream of starting a blog was so far-fetched at the time when there wasn't even the term influencer, but I felt really motivated by beauty and fashion. And I remember I would, I spent the whole summer of 2011, I spent the entire summer in my bedroom at my mom's house, And I'd be pulling almost like all-nighters to figure this thing out. How do I code? How do I build my own site? How do I do it? And I was just like trying to figure it out. And I felt motivated by my come-up story. I was like, I want to have a better life, not just for my own life, but I want to be able to bless my parents. I've seen everything they've done for me and how they've sacrificed things for me, for my education. They put me through school. And so that motivated me that like, I can't go to sleep. I got to work, you know, and I've always had that mentality. And even to this day, we're in a space where I've never just gotten comfortable. I've never been like, okay, I'm on cruise control. I can just chill. And I mean, we've got some really big deals. I've had partnerships in retailers at Walmart. I've had hairlines. I've had a lipstick with Bobby Brown that sold out. I've gotten to do some really amazing things, but I've always told myself like, so you just think you're going to like chill out now? No, I want to show my kids what it looks like to have that work ethic. And I want them to also have that. And it all started when we were young, because we saw what our parents had to go through. And we do know the value of a dollar. And I think Stevie and I, we live a good life. But we don't live a life that's all about splurging. You know what I mean? I think you find your pockets and stuff where you want to like, like we love to eat out and try new restaurants. So we incorporate that into our own personal spending. But I think the reason why we decided to cultivate a good life and not a great life is because good is actually great. And for us, we love the simplicity of living a life that we can work hard for, we can show up for every day. And I don't want to slow down anytime soon. You know, I want to stop and look up and look around and be grateful for what I have. But I always want to continue to pursue the things that God has for us. And then I'll just end that by saying Today, we talk about FOMO on the internet a lot, like fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. My greatest FOMO is the fear of missing out on what God wants for my life and what He has called for my life. And so, while I continue to pursue the desires in my heart, right, I just never want to miss out on what it is that God wants me to see in any given day, in any given season. And I think that's that is the good life. It's like you can't spell good without God and you got to bring Him into that. And so, we're just so grateful. To be 32 years old, to live a life where we're saying we're living our dreams, but to also have a very humble approach, I feel, in terms of how we choose to live and orchestrate that life. I think that is the secret recipe behind living a life that has everyday joy and fulfillment.
1: I would and absolutely sushi. back and that sushi. up. And sushi. And saying, "Epic, we're getting sushi. <laughs> following what God wants you to pursue and then saying, ah, epic, I'm going to get sushi. Somewhere in there is- I've had enough.
2: I've had enough. We're getting sushi here.
0: Dude. sounds good.
2: really, really
1: good I right know.
0: Now. We should do that for dinner. <laughs> it is
1: uh, just a couple minutes to the top of the hour here. So I'll let you choose if you want to make this a long answer or a short answer. I'm fine on time on, on my end, but want to respect yours. But I can't end this podcast without asking you in pursuit of a good life, What role does having a a strong faith play? Because you guys do an incredible job of talking about your faith and how it supports you and motivates you and all that. What role has your faith played in in you living a good life?
0: You're the best for asking that question, Chris. That is a,
2: that's a great question. And one that we've actually, you know, we've talked about quite often, Susanna and I, for us, it's the core, it's the foundation, a lot of the principles that we live by are, are biblical principles. You know, Susanna and I are funny, man. Like we're, we're not your stereotypical Christians that you see online. You know what I mean? We're, we're not those people out there that are making that that cheesy TikTok Christian content. I'm sorry. <laughs> they point
0: just, to the tech? I just can't. I
2: can't. Like, what are we doing, the guys? The day that no. we start
0: pointing in no. the air and there's tech, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I don't think I can do
2: you know, I refuse. I refuse. Oh my gosh. It just, it just, I can't do it. I can't do it. But you know, the thing is, Chris, I think the thing is, is that going back to what we were saying earlier, I look at the model of how God set up everything in creation, you know what I mean? And and who he is. And so lately we've been learning just more about and and becoming saturated with the idea that God is a loving creator and he's not just a creator, but he's a loving father. And then having children and, and seeing how that impacts you as a dad, myself, when I look at my girls, I think there is nothing I wouldn't do for you. Like I would do anything for you. I would turn into a beast to protect you that I've never become before, you know, because I love you with so much ferocity. And there's nothing you could do that would ever make me want to be separated from you. You know what I mean? As much as you would hurt me, I would still desire to be with you because I love you with all my heart. You're you're a part of me. You know what I mean? And so that's how God views us. And so if we're able to, to know that on a daily basis, there's a verse in the Bible where David says in Psalms, He says, if I descend to hell or I ascend to heaven, there's nowhere I can go where your spirit is not there. And so the idea that there's no thing you can do, there's nothing bad enough that you can do where God separates himself from you. Mm -hmm. He is with you. Mm -hmm. So I want everyone to think about their most shameful Mm -hmm. moment. The thing where they're like, man, I really wish I didn't do that. I want you to know that God was with you in that moment, in that room. He was present. There's nowhere you can go where he's not there. And when you realize that you have a creator and a father who is present in that moment and still wants to know you and be with you in that darkness and in what you feel is that shame, he doesn't want space from you. Just like I don't want for my daughter, but but times infinity, times perfection. Yeah. He wants to be with you. Wow. And so knowing that you're loved that way motivates you to love that way. And so a prayer in our house is that God just teach us how to love more. It's not about trying to maximize you know, and strategize life to where I just want to become the ultimate human. Yes, that's good and it has its place. But at the end of the day, I think the question is simple. When you face, if you believe in a creator, if you face the creator, I think he's going to ask us, he's going to say, did you learn how to love? Yeah. Because loving you can do right now. Just like the good yeah. life, the good life is right in front of you. You can love your life. You can love the people around you. You can love your community right now. And it will make a world of difference because if you start making those changes, everything will improve. Everything will improve. We'd we'd see a good life happen for the world if we all made these choices, right? And so in our house, our, our prayer is, is continually, it's like, God, show us how to love like you do. And so no. that truly is the core foundation of of the good life and where those those things are born out of. You. Oh, I love it. Talk I about talk about now. a ride or die, huh? <laughs>
0: dude yeah. that's so good and then my
2: wife is like and you know, she's the fuel of my fire man I gotta tell you no I'm, I'm fire your
0: ice is oh, what we always say Suzanne
2: is a freight train <laughs> headed downhill and I'm holding on to a string for dear life just like
0: <laughs> I you're hope the this string doesn't I hope the, the string breaks. doesn't
2: break yeah exactly but there's so many people our age who are just now getting married or saying I don't want to be married you know what I mean I want to delay that man I'm so glad that my dad said to me I was working this job. I was saving a bunch of money and Cezanne was just starting to take off in the influencer world. And she said, come back and work with me. I I really, there's girls making tons of money. And I said, doing what? She's like Instagram, like, (laughs) you know, being a blogger. And I was like, how do you make money doing this? And she was like, I don't know.
0: Let's figure it out. She goes, I don't
2: know. Let's figure it out. Just come back and work with me. And so I called my dad and I was like, I'm finally making good money. I'm saving money. I'm going to buy her a ring. And I got three months left on this contract. If I ride this thing out, I'll have even more money. And then I can go back. And he was like, if she's planning to tell her family about you and possibly, you know, be disowned, you need to prove to her that like, you're going to back her up. Ooh. And so, you know, when I quit that job to help Suzanne, I remember telling my dad, I was like, but you know, like I can do this and she can do that. He said, no, you're better. You're stronger together. Stop mm. delaying the inevitable. Come together and you'll, you'll be an unstoppable team. And so what I want people to know is like, man, having a marriage where you both choose each other, like, man, there's nothing you can't do. You know, you can work together. And guess what, homie? It is hard. And yeah. cuss words will fly some days. But you know what?
1: Sushi it's will
0: good. be had. Sushi will. is good. Like good. Exactly. Oh, my
1: God. I love it. That is incredible. Listen, I want to respect your time. We're going to put a bow on this thing. But you guys, I just want to acknowledge you for walking the walk not just being an outward image of what might be possible, but not being the real deal. I will attest that you guys are the real deal. And and individuals like yourselves, couples like yourselves, make it possible for other people to have permission and a roadmap and inspiration to truly lead a good life. And I'm so grateful that you've chosen to make that your brand because it doesn't come without work. It doesn't come without challenge. It doesn't come without stress. But as you taught us earlier, good and challenged good and difficult good and tough it absolutely coexists, and you're willing to wade through that for us so that we can be inspired so i want to acknowledge you for that i want to thank you for coming on and just know how much I, I'm, I'm grateful for you guys thank you chris. we love you
0: chris you're the it. best
2: and make sure yeah. you guys check out our podcast with chris too we're gonna to have a podcast but chris it's great to talk to you you inspire us so much as well and uh we're always happy to be here with you i love
1: it grateful guys